So in the interest of time, we're not going to take another break. Instead, I'm going to get our last PowerPoint of the evening up. So just give me one moment here. Our uh, final speaker tonight is Thomas Harper. He is a Nerd Knight alumnus. He, uh, we had him out here last year for The Law of Star Wars. And he's been doing a uh, talk called The Law yeah. of Star Wars Strikes Back. Uh, he is an expert on, on both Star Wars and the law. He has been... Um, the... Okay, let's, let's everyone sit down. We have, some, uh, we have a lovely talk on Star Wars law. You know what, I'm going to stop my napping because you're not here to hear me. You're here to hear Thomas. Thomas, come on up here. I was looking forward to just screaming at you guys for 20 minutes when the mic was broken, so I'm a little disappointed that it's, that it's working now, but we'll work through it. So, how many of you guys were here back in August of last year for my first Star Wars talk? Well, those two, if I know only two of you would be back again, I would have just recycled all the old material. But fortunately for you two, you'll, you'll get some new stuff here. So... By way of introduction, I'm a major in the United States Army, so I'm a reservist now, I'm on active duty. I also occasionally go by Tom, which effectively makes me a walking, talking, game and always Tom. So that's always good. I want you to think back, how many folks here have seen Star Wars? Like, you know, aware of it. If you haven't seen Star Wars, just know that per How I Met Your Mother, the only people who have not seen Star Wars are the people in Star Wars. As I promptly create a new technical difficulty here. I know. That works, right? So I want you to think back. The first time you ever saw Star Wars, or whether that was when you were three years old, whether it was when you were 23, 33, whatever the case may be. What got you excited? Was it lightsaber battles? those exciting things? Was it the, the epic space battles that you see across the movies? Was it cute animals like the porgs in The Last Jedi, right? Or, or was it considering the complex legal issues depicted on screen? If you were like me as a young middle schooler watching The Phantom Menace, I thought taxation of trade routes, the legality of a blockade on a peaceful planet, I'm all in on this! And then you get hung up right next to me by your underwear on your locker. Right? So I know what you're thinking right now. We're all doomed, right? You're stuck with me for 20 minutes here. But I promise, I promise, that the three issues we're going to talk about tonight are the most important, pressing, and interesting issues legally in the entire Star Wars universe. And that's why we're going to start with Ewoks, right? Who doesn't like Ewoks here? If you raise your hand, I will strike you down. <laughs> These are everybody's favorite space teddy bears, right? But they're also vicious gorillas who might very well be war criminals. So it's very important that we take a look at this. So what do we know about Ewoks? Well, they live in these really awesome tree villages, right? On Endor. They're very cute when they're angry. They make real cute babies. And also cute dog costumes for your pet. <laughs> Who here has dressed their dog up as an Ewok? You can admit it, this is a safe space. Nobody? Well, you can go on Etsy as I talk. I'll, I'll forgive you if you order. 
Also, they like to eat people, right? They have a taste for human flesh. If you haven't seen Return of the Jedi in a while, you might have forgotten that poor Han and Luke get tied up and are very nearly spit-roasted in honor of C-3PO, right? Meanwhile, you may not have realized this, but meanwhile, they braid Princess Leia's hair, and then they put these two on the menu for that night. And I can't help but thinking that these two are very lucky, Han and Luke, that C-3PO's programming was locked tight. Because if I was 3PO, I'd be like, you know what? These guys are dicks to me, and have been. They want to go wait my nerve. I'm a king here, so go ahead, serve them up for dinner tonight. But Ewok's thirst for a taste for human flesh is not just limited to Rebel Alliance heroes. No. Ever wonder what happened to all the stormtroopers, the, the Emperor Palpatine's finest legion of troops that battled the rebels on Endor and lost? What happened to them? You don't see Take a guess where those helmets came from, right? I, I will posit you this. The Ewoks were not opening prisoner of war camps there on Endor to lawfully treat the stormtrooper prisoners that they had taken in accordance with the laws of war. And if you doubt me, this is my favorite piece of Star Wars journalism ever. And for those of you who can't read it, Leia tries to stop Ewoks from consuming human flesh. That is an actual cartoon in canon that you can go watch on YouTube, of course, after I'm done speaking. But in this cartoon, it takes place right before the Battle of Endor, and Leia comes upon some Ewoks who have taken a stormtrooper prisoner and are dragging to kill and eat him, and she tries desperately to, to get them to not eat him. So, what, what rules govern this, right? And, and the, the common thing is, this is war, right? Anything goes. War is hell. You can do whatever you like, right? Well, not so fast. Because there is an entire body of international law out there that governs how we fight. How not just the United States fights its combat, but how every nation fights. It was a long, long time ago. And, and in the business, we call these the sacred texts, right? And so, the general rule here, right, so the question is, can you eat your enemies? And you'll be glad to know, you've got an expert here, right, somebody licensed to practice law. These are like the deep issues that you bring in a heavy hitter for. No, you can't, you can't generally eat people. So that's, we call that frowned upon is the legal term. So, the question here is going to be, well, what, what rules apply here? What, what makes this, like, how can we hold the Ewoks responsible? Under the United States Code, so federal criminal law, there's a statute that actually criminalizes war crimes. That's like an odd thing to think about, like you have to recriminalize war crimes. But you can be prosecuted in federal court as a United States national or a member of the military for war crimes that are committed. And specifically, we're talking about grave breaches of the Geneva Conventions or violations of certain aspects of the Hague Conventions. Things like murder, torture, inhumane treatment, eating people, I think, fits within that category. But the real question here, I, I think it's unquestionable that eating people is probably chargeable under the, the federal law. I think you'll, you'll pretty easily find a federal prosecutor that will charge that. But 
Can Ewoks be charged? And this is probably the question that was on your mind as you watched Return of the Jedi. And this will be stuck in your mind now that you watch it in the future. But let's let's think about Endor real quick. Let's think about whether Ewoks could actually be subject to this sort of law. What is Endor? Is this I, I, this is one thing I love about Star Wars. They make things very simple. You've got your desert planet Tatooine. You've got your winter planet on Hoth. You've got your forest planet on Endor. This is a planet way out in the middle of nowhere in the galaxy. What is Endor being used for in Return of the Jedi? Well, it's home to one thing from the Empire, and that's a shield generator built to protect the, em the Empire's gigantic spherical battle station. An exact larger copy of the battle station that the Rebels just blew up two movies ago. So, what's not on Endor? Well, we don't have any Imperial cities, we don't have any Imperial government, there's no taxation, there, there's no semblance of Imperial society here, right? Like, the, the Galactic Empire does not exist except for the Imperial outpost that's there to protect the shield generator. Meanwhile, you've got this primitive species, this primitive uh, uh, species that of the Ewoks that live on Endor. These guys have had so little contact with the outside galaxy that poor Wicked here is afraid of a helmet when it gets pointed, uh, handed to him, right? Not to mention, they're worshipping damn C-3PO here, God. It's very clear that the Empire and the rest of the galaxy have had very, very little contact. So I think it's impossible to conclude that Ewoks, this little tribe, is somehow, they're somehow citizens or not, you know, in any way would fit under this sort of federal statute if the Empire had it. So all good for the Ewoks, right? Like, they can just serve up the, the stormtroopers, you know, bone apple tea, right? Well, no, right? Because there is a, a network of international law. It, I, I, won't, I won't tell you how long it took me to find a, a little chef's hat that would fit on me. It's my power, proudest PowerPoint moment. But outside of federal law, there are other ways that you can get in trouble in international law for violating the laws of war. One of those is the Geneva Conventions. And Common Article 3, as it's known at the Geneva Conventions, provides minimum acceptable protections for detainees. So even if you can't be charged under federal law, you can still get in trouble by violating the Geneva Conventions. And so what Common Article 3 protects is, is things like uh, violence against your person, or outrages upon personal dignity. Well, I think getting, getting tied to a spit and then eaten by teddy bears is probably an outrage upon human dignity. So the Ewoks are in trouble, right? Well, again, we run into a problem here because the only folks that can run a foul and actually be held accountable for violating Common Article 3 are folks that are parties to the Geneva Conventions. And I would submit to you that the same little creatures that are doing this are not, not parties to any kind of galactic Geneva Convention uh, uh, contract. And so, who does the responsibility fall to? Right? This, this kind of thing, we, we can't just have this sort of thing running rampant across the galaxy. Obviously, Leia thought enough of it in that cartoon to try to stop it. This is an obvious problem. When this situation, the Rebel Alliance is on Endor and they partnered with this guerrilla force to help them defeat the Empire. That happens all the time. It's happening right now in the world in Syria, in Afghanistan, in Iraq. Any place where U.S. forces are engaged, we're partnered with, with host nation forces. 
And so ultimately, regardless of whether we could charge the Ewoks and bring poor Wicket in cuffs and like leg shackles into court to answer for eating stormtroopers, some responsibility would fall on the Rebel Alliance. And so what that would look like isn't Han getting charged with some crime that the Ewoks committed, but in the real world we have something called the Lady Amendment. It doesn't always get enforced, frequently it doesn't get enforced. But what that is is a rule that says that U.S. forces, the U.S. government, Department of Defense, State Department, cannot pay money or, or, or support in any way financially foreign partner forces that are committing human rights violations. Now, again, we can have a debate about whether, like, how often that's enforced, but again, the Rebel Alliance could be in that situation. And I'll tell you, if you watch that cartoon, it's not clear that the Ewoks learned the actual lesson that eating people is bad, because the, reason, the way that Leia gets them to stop is not by reasoning with them, but by giving them some other food in terms of some rations. So the Ewoks are all happy. Let's go to my next, uh, another issue that's near and dear to my heart. This D-bag right here and stolen valor. So let's set this up. We're going all the way back to 1977 and a new hope. We've got this farm boy here who's never worn an imperial uniform in his life. Hashtag points. We've got the galaxy's favorite drug smuggler in Han Solo, who was at one point an imperial soldier, but uh, maybe left. And they get aboard the Death Star, and they start kicking it in a couple stolen imperial stormtrooper uniforms. That's outrageous, that's preposterous, these are absolute rebel scum, right? This is the worst crime that you can imagine in the galaxy. When the real world stolen valor happens, right? And consistently, it's hilarious. <laughs> because these guys just go buy a uniform, and I just imagine them like, like supermarket sweep, just going down and buying every single like decoration that they can find, and just slapping it on the uniform in the dark, uh, with no guidance whatsoever. So this sort of thing happens in the real world. And it's gone on for a while. And so Congress got wind of this problem, stolen valor, right? And what did they do? What's the solution to this problem? Let's throw them in jail, right? That's the solution to everything. So in 2005, Congress passed the Stolen Valor Act. This criminalized the where or, or uh, the, the act of, of claiming that you had been awarded certain, any military decoration or award. It made it a federal misdemeanor to, to make this sort of claim. You could be thrown in jail for up to six months, and if it was the Medal of Honor that you were lying about where, uh, having won or been awarded, you could be uh, put in jail up to a year. Well, there was a guy in California, a, uh, actually a city councilman, that enjoyed telling people that he was a United States Marine and had, worn, er, had won a Silver Star, so a very, very high award of valor. He challenged this law, and in 2012, the United States Supreme Court struck down the Stolen Valor Act. They said that this was an unconstitutional infringement on freedom of speech. Because the First Amendment isn't about the speech that you like and protecting that. It's especially important about protecting speech that you disagree with or that you don't like or that you do find offensive. So Congress, in all its wisdom, reloaded and passed the Stolen Valor Act of 2013, stated with that very creative name. That narrowed it, right? So now, if this law is still on the books, you can still violate this. If you claim to have been awarded a certain subset of medals, 
medals for valor. So the Medal of Honor, Silver Star, Bronze Star with Valor. There's a shorter list. And you have the intent to defraud someone, so you get uh, you're, you're, you're claim, making this claim for some financial gain or to gain some property, then it's still a federal misdemeanor. You can be prosecuted for that. So they narrowed it down. That law is still on the books. But what are, what are stormtrooper uniforms? They're not exactly walking around with all their medals for marksmanship and, and all these things, right? The Stolen Valor Act is to prevent the stealing of valor, right? So the act of going out and claiming that you have some sort of battlefield accolades and in its most current version to make some financial gain. That's a pretty narrow tailoring. It's not clear that, that they were trying to do any of that. They, these uniforms don't have any markings on them as far as medals go. So I don't know that those would, would apply. Let's think about what they were actually on the Death Star to do. They weren't there to build a bunch of stormtroopers out of their, their stormtrooper pensions, right? Or, or get them to, to, to support a, uh, a Luke and Han GoFundMe. They were there to, to rescue Princess Leia on a military mission. And so, where does that leave us? If the Stolen Valor Act doesn't apply, we go back to the sacred text, right? The law of war. These guys are, are executing a ruse here. They're tricking the Galactic Empire. That's not right. Well, I'm here to tell you that ruses in military conflicts go back millennia to the, the very dawn of, of armed conflict between men. Ruses are okay under all aspects of international law, with some caveats. The wearing of an opponent's uniform is okay. You can dress up as a Nazi soldier and infiltrate Nazi Germany. You can dress up as an ISIS member and infiltrate an ISIS camp for all manner of things. What you can't do is fight in that enemy uniform. That's impermissible. So, what that leaves us with is infiltrating detention block AA-23 where Princess Leia is kept. That's okay. It's cool. They're tricking him. That's all right. And you know it's legally right because Chuck Norris approves. Shooting up detention block AA-23 and Swiss cheesing all the poor Imperials in there with your stolen blaster rifles? Not okay. <laughs> so let's turn to our last issue. I, I promised three. This is our, our last one. Who here has seen the newer movies, Force Awakens, Last Jedi? Everyone's favorite child murderer, Kylo Ren. And the question of whether he can claim an insanity defense for his many, many crimes. So for those of you who haven't seen The Force Awakens, I can give no better recap than this D-bag. I just imagine driving to see this movie and, and passing this guy on the highway and then going up to a stoplight and being like, what the hell, man? But to recap, and this I should have had a trigger warning for any like, console fans there. Han and Leia get married. They have a child, Ben Solo. He actually trains at a new Jedi Academy under Mr. Stolen Valor himself, Luke Skywalker. And then he's poisoned by the dark side. He's turned. And eventually it builds up to the end of The Force Awakens, and he runs his own dad through with a lightsaber and then throws him off a bridge into the oblivion. Kylo's got a lot of bad things to answer for. A little bit of civilian massacre, some light torture, and worst of all, indecent exposure. <laughs> so Kylo, Kylo's facing a hefty charge sheet. 
uh, if he ever gets brought uh, into a courtroom. So the question is, can he claim an insanity defense? Well, after all, let's think about this. He's an acolyte, a religious fanatic. He's been poisoned by this dark element of this galactic religion, right? So, and he's sitting here, he's so sad, he's got his, like, space band-aid on. <laughs> what better candidate to, to claim an insanity defense successfully, right? Well, an insanity defense has, has some, uh, some hurdles that you have to get over. An insanity defense in the real world is known as an affirmative defense. And what that means is that even if you're proven guilty, so the prosecution proves that he murdered Han Solo, no questions, they meet all the elements, gotcha. If the defendant presents credible evidence that meets the elements that I'll go over in just a second, that he was... Uh, criminally insane, it wipes out his guilt for that offense. So even if the prosecution has him, eh, this is your get out of jail free card. Well, it's more like get out of jail and go to an insane asylum uh, free card. But nonetheless, you're not going to, to prison for murder. There are a couple hurdles here. So you have to prove, and, and I say prove, because ordinarily the defense doesn't have to prove anything. You can sit silently, present no evidence, and be found not guilty by any jury in America. That's the beauty of our system. However, if you're seeking the benefit of an affirmative defense like this, the defendant has somewhat of a burden. They have to present some evidence, so there's some risk here. You have to prove as a defendant, Kylo Ren here, that you have a severe mental disease or defect, and that that seve severe mental disease or defect made you unable to appreciate the nature and quality, or the wrongfulness of your acts. So let's take a look at this. The first question is going to be whether the dark side, right, this, this dark aspect of uh, galactic religion, constitutes a severe mental disease or defect. I would submit to you, just as a layperson, that talking to the burned up helmet of your dead grandfather probably gets you up to the starting line at least. I mean, that you've got an argument there. Right? But unfortunately, I, I don't know why Lucasfilm didn't do this, but we don't have any scenes where Kylo is going to the First Order psychiatrist, like sitting down on the First Order couch, which I imagine is like very shiny and black, and like spilling out all his problems and getting a diagnosis. So we don't know exactly what diagnosis he would have. So let's look at, at some of the problems that he, he faces in his everyday life. Well, he's on a day-to-day -day basis under the thumb of this Golden Road douchebag, Supreme Leader Snow. This is the guy that poisoned his mind, that turned him while he was at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy, probably the, the star student, and turned him to the dark side. He's got some big mommy and daddy issues. <laughs> Kylo has a bit of an anger problem. He has some violent outbursts and impulsivity. And he's a little murdery. He's a little too comfortable. Who does that sound like to you, right? <laughs> grandfather, Anakin Skywalker. In the real world, a group of psychiatrists and psychologists actually got together and studied Anakin Skywalker and his, the personality traits that we see on film and tried to diagnose him. They looked at stuff like his anger control problems, his occasional breaks with reality, his obsession with abandonment, 
his impulsivity, all character traits that are shared by his grandson. I, funny how some of this is like genetically transferred, right? They concluded, and this was presented at a, uh, a national conference in a paper, that Anakin Skywalker would probably be diagnosed with a borderline personality disorder. Which is great for Kylo Ren, right? He can just walk this into court and be like, hey, we're good, right? I need that check, that first checkbox, I'm good. Severe mental disease or defect. Not quite. Because while every jurisdiction in the country has a little bit different definition of what qualifies to meet that burden, generally, non-psychotic behaviors or anti-social conditions don't meet that burden. In other words, they don't consider them severe mental diseases or defects. That's a problem for Kylo Ren, because if you don't meet that checkbox, game over. You're not going to get your insanity defense successfully argued. Kylo Ren's best chance is to get an expert, a psychiatrist, somebody with some qualifications, to testify that he has some sort of irresistible compulsion that he cannot control as a result of this dark side, or that he has a psychotic break with reality whenever he does these things. So let's assume that he meets that first check mark. Then we get to the second one. Can he, does this severe mental disease or defect affect his ability to appreciate the wrongfulness of his actions and the nature? I think Kylo's got another problem here because if you go back and watch, particularly the scene right before he kills Han Solo, what does he do? He doesn't, he's not just like frothing at the mouth and you know, runs through his dad. He stands there and has a conversation and he hesitates. He tells Han, I'm being torn apart by this. He makes it clear that he understands the gravity of this situation and that he understands the right decision, which is to walk away and maybe like go have a blue milk on the Millennium Falcon, or the wrong decision, which is to ram a lightsaber through him and throw him off the, the bridge. And yet he still runs the lightsaber through him. In The Last Jedi, he looks even rougher here. Uh, in The Last Jedi, it makes it clear exactly how well he understood that decision. Supreme Leader Snow confronts him and says, that job of killing your father splits your soul to the bone. In other words, Kylo knew very well what he was doing with all of these things. His thinking was objective-based and goal-oriented. And these are huge problems for Kylo because with each decision that he made, massacring civilians, torturing Ray and Poe, all these things, he's seeking to do things. If I'm the prosecutor in this case, I'm saying Kylo wasn't under the, maybe he was in, under the influence of something, some rage or whatever, but he killed Han out of a desire to gain more power, whether that's tapping into the dark side, whether that's impressing his boss in the golden robes, or whether that's just to make himself feel better because he constantly gets his ass kicked by a no-name girl from Jakku. No matter what, none of these decisions were because of some psychosis or because of some severe mental disease. And so that creates a real problem. I don't think Kylo would be successful with this, this sort of insanity defense. I will tell you that he is in good company in this regard because nationally, if you look at the statistics, there's less than a 1% success rate in terms of folks that, that are successfully acquitted based on reasons of, of uh, mental disease or defect. It's exceptionally low. So this myth that's out there that folks just claim insanity and they get off, totally bogus, right? And I would have to break this news very gently to Kylo Ren because I feel like as a client, 
he might end that attorney-client relationship with a, like a force choke, and uh, that's not really worth it. So that's all I have. May the force be with you. anything that you can imagine. So if you're like me, and you, you would have been one of the ones hanging by your underwear on the locker uh, talking about taxation of trade routes. Check out our blog, interact with me on Twitter. I welcome it. All right, let's hear some comments. We have time for one question. Yes. Make it a good one. Okay, so uh, read, uh, read the uh, Ewoks. Uh, to your knowledge, is there any protection? Is it your phone? And like interfering with colonial, like colonial interference. I'm thinking uh, like the missionary recently who was killed by uh, indigenous peoples and they're not really pursuing any action there. So that's a really great question. The question was, for those that didn't hear it, to my knowledge, are there any, would there be like any protections for indigenous people uh, that, that would lead to maybe a, a decision not to hold the Ewoks responsible? My guess is, because of how xenophobic and racist the Galactic Empire is, despite the fact that I'm wearing their pin right here, they probably don't have a law in the books that would do that. I would, what I would say is that, from the Rebel Alliance's perspective, I talk about the Leahy Amendment, and there's a judgment call to be made in whether we continue to financially support something like that. They would probably factor that in and say, okay, you know, let, let's take a step back here before we cut all ties with the Ewoks and don't you know, fund them, and let's assess the situation. So I think your question is a great one. It probably goes more to, to the, the discretion of our prosecutor or Rebel Alliance High Command than anything else. All right, let's hear one more for Thomas. Also, one final round of applause for our next Rachel, everybody. And give yourselves a round of applause because you've endured uh, technical nightmares and our way through it here at Nerd Nugs.